But how many know that, that, that God, He has a, um, a powerful peace that He wants operating in your life? How many know that, that we're not called to operate on the wavelength of the spirit of this world? Uh, the spirit of this world operates in fear, anxiety, worry, turmoil. Um, unfortunately, a good portion of the church does the same thing. I mean, you get uh, more scared from the message that comes out of the pulpit than you get from the message that comes from the news media, which I think is sad because the Bible calls the gospel the gospel of peace. And when you come to church, peace should be deposited in your heart. You should walk in and receive. How many of you know Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Can you get an amen? It is called the gospel of peace. So every time you hear the good news, your peace might be low. You may have had challenges during the week. You may have had circumstances. You may have failed yourself. You may have went through things, and your peace is low. And, and what should be able to happen is you should be able to come into the house of God, and a supernatural, powerful peace is deposited in you as a result of seeing Jesus. Like today, we didn't come here to reveal Jeremiah Johnson. We didn't come here to reveal you. We didn't even come here to reveal Grace Point Church. How I many know we came here to step aside and reveal Jesus? Because when you behold Jesus, your heart is going to be filled with peace. How I many know when the disciples, when they were nervous, when the Pharisees were angry, and when they were yelling at them, you know, saying they were going to stone them, all they had to do was look over at Jesus and they knew that they were going to be okay. All they had to do was look at him. As long as they had Jesus with them. You know, even when the storm hit the boat and it looked like the boat was going to go down, all they had to do was wake up Jesus and Jesus spoke peace. And so what we want to do is what the gospel does is it reveals Jesus, doesn't reveal us, it reveals him. And as a result of that is it deposits a peace in your heart. How many know you need peace through the week? How many know the media is not looking to deposit peace in you? See, you're easier to manipulate when you're afraid. You're easier to control when you're afraid. And so what we want is we want to stir up that peace that's on the inside of us because peace is the wavelength of the kingdom. Peace is, is the default setting of a Christian. It's what we are called to operate in. How many know when you're at peace, you're at the best version of yourself? <clears throat> How many know no one should have the ability to make you nervous? No one should have the ability to intimidate you. You know, my son and I were talking about this because during the conference that we did in Myrtle Beach, they had a youth conference as well alongside our conference. And one of the things the speaker was talking about is just your body language. How many of your body language says a lot about you? The way you're carrying yourself. And how many know when you're nervous, you're, you're carrying yourself differently than when you're at peace? When you're at peace, you're not self-conscious. You're not self-aware. You're not fidgety. You're not afraid. And the way you carry yourself is different. That's one of the things that that minister um, was ministering. And, but when, when, when peace is resident on the inside of you, the way you walk is different. The way you talk is different. I mean, a lot of us, we've gotten in little arguments because we weren't operating in peace. Arguments with our spouse, arguments with our kids, arguments with our coworkers. And, and we, we've lived in a time when the enemy has just taken and really just tried to take peace away from everyone. And when people are frantic and when people are afraid, they're not operating uh, the way that they're called to. And how many know as Christians, we're called to be different? Could you get an amen? We should be operating in peace even when the world's not operating in peace. We should be carrying ourselves different. How many know when someone operates in peace, they defuse strife? You become a, a strife diffuser. How I many know if I'm agitated and I don't have peace, I become, I, I add gas to the fire. You follow me? You ever had that happen in traffic? <laughs> Praise God, you're upset, that person's upset. And you know, we live in a time where violence is on a scale that I've never seen it before. And, and we're not called to add fuel to the fire. We're called to carry ourselves out of a place of peace. Now, here's the beauty of this. You're not called to do that in your own strength. Can I get an amen? There is nothing in your Christianity that is the, is the product of your own strength and your own self-will. It's just not a product of that. You know, I got to see a... Um, I, I like to, to, to study in coffee shops, and I like to do sermon prep in coffee shops, and I like to drink coffee, and I like people. 
And so all those things come together. And so I, uh, I'm now going back to coffee shops again, and I'm doing my sermon prep and stuff. And I always get to minister to people and share the gospel with people when I'm out in public. But I saw when I'm, one of my, another ministry guy that does this as well, when I was at the coffee shop, and he came up to me, and he's like, well, how did, you know, how did COVID treat you and all this type of stuff? And I was like, you know what? Honestly, our church flourished during that time, supernaturally, just supernaturally. Not necessarily in attendance, but as far as like the online ministry and all of these type of things. And so, and, and he's kind of a mixture of covenants, and he immediately started to, to try to give me credit for it. And I was immediately like, I can't take any credit for it because I didn't do this work. And he was like, no, 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 you were a forerunner. And you, I was like, no, 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 no. This is all Jesus Christ. I'm accidentally more spiritual than I ever am on purpose. <laughs> truth. I mean, it's just the truth. But, but, but he, from a mindset of self-will, wanted to give me an accolade of how awesome I was as a minister. And I dodged it. <laughs> and I wouldn't allow him to give it to me. And we, we put it on Jesus. Because how many know that when you begin to understand that everything that is good in your life is not the product of your own self-will, your own self-effort, it's the Lord. Can I get an amen? How many know we're the branches, He's the vine. The strength is Him, the power is Him, He's everything. And as long as you understand that, you're not going to get prideful, and then you're also not going to take all this pressure onto yourself. Can I get an amen? So as I'm preaching here this morning... I'm not encouraging you to get pressure on yourself to regurgitate some peace. I'm saying that you are connected to the Prince of Peace, and He's on the inside of you, and a part of the fruit of the Spirit is that peace that God's going to flow out of your life. But how many know sometimes we just need a little bit of adjustment concerning what we're focused on and what we're looking at? Can I get an amen? John 14, verse 27, one of the most powerful statements that Jesus says he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So we see here that Jesus gives us His peace. Now, His peace is powerful. His peace is otherworldly. It's a supernatural peace. It's an aggressive peace. I mean, you know, when the storm came in the boat and the disciples were freaking out, Jesus stood up as the Prince of Peace and He just released His peace and He said, Peace be still. And His aggressive peace left Him and quieted the wind, quieted the waves, quieted the storm, and quieted the disciples' hearts. See, we're not talking about a peace that's born of compromise. We're talking about a peace that's born of the kingdom of God. This peace will come in. It will impact your children. It will impact your marriage. It will impact your business. How I many of the Jewish people understood the importance of peace? How I many of the concept of shalom in the Jewish mind is different than the American peace? Shalom is this powerful blessing of nothing missing, nothing broken, just wholeness and completeness. So much so that everywhere a Jewish person goes, they, they declare shalom. They declare shalom over people. It's a part of the blessing that they speak. But the peace that Jesus gives, how many of Jesus operated in a greater peace than the Pharisees and Sadducees of His day? They didn't operate in the peace that Jesus operated in because Jesus' peace was born out of the fact that He was right with God. How many of Jesus was born righteous? He was born from a virgin. The blood uh, in His veins was untainted by the fall of man. How many know that a child's blood type is not determined by the mother, it's determined by the father? And so this perfect, holy, spotless lamb, this blood of Almighty God was placed inside of Mary, and when Jesus set foot into the earth, He was a man completely right with God because He was righteous and He was born righteous. And so all the days that Jesus walked, He walked as a man that was right with God. When He prayed, He knew He was right with God. Um, when he cast out devils, he knew that he was right with God. When the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to kill him, he knew he was right with God. Nobody made Jesus nervous. How I many of Pilate was astonished at the level of peace that Jesus operated in when Pilate thought that he held Jesus' life in his hands? Pilate was like, don't you know that, that I can kill you? I mean, don't you know Jesus would? And Jesus was like, my kingdom is not of this world. The, how many know Jesus was saying, the peace you see in me is greater than the authority that you have. 
You think as a governmental authority you have all of this peace or you have all of this power, and I'm here to tell you right now, I'm the one carrying the power. And I mean, Jesus never got rushed, He never got hurried, and He never got nervous. You know why? It wasn't because He didn't face challenges. I mean, they were always trying to trick Him. They were always trying to stop Him. They were always trying to mess Him up. They were trying to kill Him the whole time. But they could never kill Him. You know why? Because He was right with God. He was the righteousness of God in the earth. And then what He did was, he never, then He went to the Old Covenant, and He fulfilled it. And then on the cross, He died for all of us who could not. And so where now this righteousness that Jesus enjoyed in His earthly walk has been given as a gift to the entire world. That somebody like me, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person at 19 years old, who was spiritually dead, spirit, I mean just suicidal and depressed and, and ripped to pieces and hated my life, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment of time, I could take the outstretched hand of the Son of God and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and a person that was not right with God, that was spiritually dead, became right with God, became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in one moment of time. Amen? Because now it's been given to us as a gift. And so all of this peace that you enjoy is the product of knowing that you're right with God. And that's one of the reasons that a mixing of the covenants robs people of confidence and faith and peace. Because if i got one foot in the old covenant and one foot in the new covenant, then the message that I preach is you might be right with God, you might not be. You're right with God if you do this and 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 this. But that's not enough. You need to do some more. But wait, there's more. You need to do some of this. You need to do some of that. So what it does is it puts people on this frantic hamster wheel of trying to be right with God. Now, it motivates people like crazy. I mean, you know, there are, there are massive churches and cathedrals uh, that are built upon people's guilty consciences. People are just trying to get right with God, just trying to do more, trying to serve more, trying to be more. I just got to, I just got to. And listen, Jesus ended all of that with the cross. How I many of you know, the thief right next to Jesus became the righteousness of God in him? How I many of you know, the thief got saved? What did he do? He just believed. He didn't go to church. He didn't give an offering. He didn't do one good thing. He did the only thing that really matters to God. You know what matters to God? Just honor my son. It's important to God. Just honor my son. Receive the free gift. Amen? And so, this righteousness has now been given to us as a gift, so all of your peace flows out of knowing that you're right with God. Amen? How many of y'all are facing challenges right now? Anybody got a battle going on? Is your battle bigger than God? It's not. There's not one Christian who really had any inkling of who God was that would ever say that their challenge is bigger than God. The question is, is God going to do it for you? And the answer is yes, because all the promises in Him are yes and amen. See, and where we've gotten into failure, one foot in the Old Covenant, one foot in the New Covenant, we're always examining ourselves, whether we're good enough, whether we're strong enough, whether we're great enough. Listen, folks, don't examine yourself. Examine the Lamb. Examine the Christ. Look at Jesus. Was He good enough? Did He do enough? Did He do a good job on the cross? Then that means the same righteousness that Jesus enjoyed in His earthly walk has been given to you as a gift. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to Scripture. So that means if your storm is big, God's with you in the storm. Can I get an amen? That's always the weak link has been removed. The Old Covenant, God found fault with the Old Covenant. The reason He found fault with the Old Covenant because the weak link was man's obedience. When man did well, they could be blessed. When man did bad, they were cursed. God said, that's not working Let's do something new. Let's make a new covenant between God the Father and God the Son, and then I'll place everybody inside the Son, and now there's no weak link. Can I get an amen? Now, there's variations of our enjoyment of that because we don't always necessarily believe it, but the reality is if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are just as right with God as Jesus Christ is because that's where you are. You're in Christ. Can I get an amen? Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything bad in Jesus? Is there anything dirty in Jesus? Where are you? So put your shoulders back and stand up and take what's yours. Can I get an amen? We need, we need a, a level of confidence and peace in the body of Christ. I mean, oh, the righteous are bold as lions. 
One thing I've noticed about a lion, a lion's never trying to prove himself. You, ever, you go to the zoo, who's chilling? The lion is. Who's asleep? The lion is. Like, I've, I've, I mean, I, don't, I think I've went to the zoo just a couple times when the lion wasn't just asleep. Because, I mean, and I say this all the time, but it's important to understand, the righteous are bold as lions. How many know there's a difference between the boldness of a lion and the boldness of a chihuahua? How many know a chihuahua has something to prove? A lion does not. You look at them, you put them on video in, in, you know, in the Sahara, what's a lion doing? He's chilling. Why? Because he knows he's king. So the righteous, those that know that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, there's a boldness that comes into your life that's displayed in rest. I'm, I'm at peace. Why? Because I know God's for me. Can I get an amen, guys? This is the peace that Jesus has given to you. How many know you need that type of peace in the world that we're living in? See, the enemy does not know how to manage a peaceful Christian. He doesn't know what to do with them. In, in, uh, in Romans 16 and verse 20, and I'll just read it to you, it says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, so be it. Amen. See, a lot of times we think of peace as being, you know, just, you know, peace, love, and, you know, just not the, the, the God's concept of peace. It says, the God of peace, the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of this righteousness has been given to you as a gift, will crush the adversary under your feet. Are you tracking me here? You're at your, your place of greatest confidence where you're in, when you are in a place of peace. And doctrines of the devil, doctrines of mixing of the covenants, have left the body of Christ the least confident people on earth. Like, you got, you got the rock star on stage that don't know God, who has more confidence. And how many know confidence equals influence? If you, if you, you can, how many know there are all kinds of people who have confidence that are leading people the wrong way? And you know why the churches struggle with confidence? Because we thought, how many know as a believer, you know the world don't like you. How many know the world's anti-Christ? You let people know you're a Christian, it changes the whole atmosphere. Here comes the persecution. But then, we know the world don't like us, but we've been taught from the pulpit that God don't like us. So it's like the world don't like us, God don't like us, we don't like each other <laughs> at all. We, we don't like each other, we hate each other. Oh, what, you believe that? Ah. Come on, brother. And so we are of all men most miserable when we are of all men most mighty. We are the mighty ones. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are right with God. Let's put our shoulders back. Let's walk in peace. That's like taking a soldier, dropping him behind enemy lines, and saying, you're on your own. How many know there's no way that soldier can be confident? See, the message from the pulpit should be this. God is with you. God is for you. The cross is a success. You're right with God. Your sin has been taken care of. The blessing of the Lord is upon your life. You can't curse what God has blessed. How many know Jesus became a curse to redeem you from the curse? There's no curse for the believer. It's not scriptural. The only way that condemnation comes back in, and condemnation is a lie because there's no condemnation for those which are in Christ Jesus, is if we take a moment and we think my mistakes are greater than what Jesus did on the cross, and then I go back to a legalistic way of thinking, start thinking I have to earn God's love, earn God's blessing, earn God's favor. In that realm, you're going to get your butt kicked because you left Mount Sinai, left Mount Zion, you went back to Mount Sinai, and on Mount Sinai, God ain't there. Devils are there. Doctrines of devils are there. Mixing of the covenants. How many of you are called to be a part of Mount Zion? The spirits of just men made perfect. You've been irrevocably blessed in Christ Jesus. Don't tolerate condemnation. Condemnation will rob you of peace. So we should be the peaceful ones. We should be the confident ones. We should be those that know that God is with us and for us because we've been reconciled. I mean, no, you're never going to be a good minister of reconciliation if you don't know you're reconciled. 
This is one of the things God's doing to me when I preach out at other churches. I'm preaching evangelism everywhere I go right now. In the conference, I preached evangelism. I'm preaching evangelism. Why? Because people need to hear the true gospel. The true gospel is restored to the church so the church can, can take the true gospel to the world. Because the world haven't heard the true gospel. All they've heard is hellfire and brimstone and your sin and your sin and your sin. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is God loves you. God already paid for all of your sin. Receive Jesus. Receive what He's already done. Can I get an amen? But God can't get that message to the world if He can't get it to the church. The church has got to get restored in knowing that we're reconciled so that we can share a message of reconciliation. Can I get an amen? And a part of that is peace. We walk in peace. We live in peace. It doesn't mean there's an absence of turmoil around us. It means that I know God's for me. Why, Jeremiah? Because you're so awesome? No, not at all, because he's so awesome. Like when that gentleman was trying to give me some accolades and all that. I don't want that. I mean, I'm grateful for what he's saying, but I don't need that in my... I, I know where the blessing comes from. It's Jesus Christ. It's not my, my perfect obedience. It's not my... I don't want... Bleh, get it away from me. It's poison, man. It's Jesus. Are y'all tracking me? It's Jesus. Let Jesus be glorified. Let Jesus be exalted. Lift Him up. Let Him be glorified. Because as He's lifted up, me and Him both can be edified in Jesus' glory. But if He's trying to lift me up or I'm trying to lift Him up, we're over here trying to be on a pedestal we don't belong on. How many only one person deserves to be glorified? Can you get an amen? amen? And so it kills all that stupid competition that's in the body of Christ about who did this and who did that and who did this and who did that. I don't want to hear about what you did. I want to hear about what Jesus did. Now, we can take time and we can testify, but we always got to point back to Him. How many of you know that's a safe and healthy place? When Jesus is glorified, we are all edified and strengthened. When a man is glorified, people are brought low. Then everybody tries to be, or a woman is glorified, just the person that's out front. When this person gets glorified, everybody tries to be like them. I need, to, I, need, I need to have a relationship like they have. I need to read my Bible like they do. I need to be like them. Look, Jesus died when Jesus removed the middleman. The reason we're having church is you brought God in here with you when you came. You are the temple of the living God. We brought the temples together, and together we're experiencing Christ. When we were in that place of worship earlier, I was just like, oh, I love the body of Christ. Because I'm experiencing His presence differently than what I would if I were by myself. Because there's something special when we come together. Amen. What happens? You, you bring your slice of Christ with you, and He is expressed through you and your giftings and your personality, and I get to enjoy Jesus in you, and you get to enjoy Jesus in me, and we enjoy Jesus in Brian, enjoy Jesus in each other and in the kids. Can I get an Amen. And there's a beauty and there's a resonance and there's a glory. Don't let the enemy stop the coming together of the local church. Thank God for the internet. Thank God for all of these things. Thank God for these tools. But we must, the Bible says, we come together that much more as we see the day approaching. There's a power in it. We need each other. Why? Because the peace on me is going to get off on you. The zeal on me is going to get off on you. The peace in you is going to get off in me. Can I get an amen? We strengthen each other. We edify each other. We need each other. Amen? Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, please. Talk about peace, man. Talk about the kingdom. We need this peace operative in our lives. So many people walking around living angry, living offended. Christians. I've never seen Christians more offended ever in my whole life. And when you get offended, you remove yourself. You have no right to be offended. You, you, you relinquish that right when you got saved. Are you going to run out and demand five bucks from someone when someone paid a billion dollar debt for you? Come on, brother. Come on, brother. How many know you had a billion dollar sin debt? It was paid. And so when somebody wrongs you, you don't have a right to demand that, that they... That they you have a right to go take them by the throat and say, give me that five bucks. Jesus is like, no, 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 sweetheart. I forgave you all. Now let it flow through you. Let it flow through you. Oh, but Lord, but Lord, it's unfair. More unfair than the cross? Was it more unfair than the cross? It's not more unfair than the cross. He that knew no sin became sin. Can I get an amen? 
Jesus received what, what, what he did not deserve. He leveled the playing field. <clears throat> so now when someone who believes differently than me, politically or spiritually or doctrinally or any other way, when they come against me or attack me, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to live angry. I'm going to let the love of God flow through me and cancel the debts. Because if I'm not doing that, I become just as much a part of the problem, even though they're wrong in the presentation of what they're doing. Don't give anyone the power to offend you. Don't give anyone the power. I mean, no, you got to let go of your peace. No one can, no one can take it from you. You got to let go of it. How I many of oh, this peace that you've been given is stronger than the world's what the world gives? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How I many know oh, you got enough love and grace and peace on the inside of you to meet all of the demands? Amen. So, like, we have to relinquish our peace. And then when we relinquish our peace and we live angry and offended, how I many know oh, the enemy will use us? Because we're in the flesh. We're carnal, right? And I've seen more of that than ever. So what, what's the answer? Well, the answer is always Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. It always comes back to the gospel. And if you've been offended and you've been angry, come get washed by the gospel. Come let God remind you how awesome He is and how much He loves you and how powerful the cross was. Let me wash your feet this morning with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me wash your conscience from all those things that have been burdening you and bringing you down. Let that peace that's on the inside of you rise up in you and put confidence in you so that you begin to display the boldness of the lion that you're called to be. Can I get an amen? amen. Lions are not yappy dogs. We've been yapping. How, how, what does that accomplish for you? What does that do for you? just makes you upset. When you know who you are and you're confident in who you are and who your God is, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. There's a time in my life when I first started getting a hold of this gospel, I felt like I had to prove it to everybody. I don't have to prove it anymore. I, I'm enjoying it. I'll preach it, and some people will get it and some people won't. But I'm going to enjoy it whether you get it or not. Can I get an amen? And I, I don't mean that from like a like an attitude or egotistical standpoint, but like I don't have to prove it to you to know it's true. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the rest that Jesus has given to me. Can I get an amen? amen? And so you don't have to prove every critic wrong. You don't have to change everybody's doctrine. You don't have to pull everybody to your political side. You don't have to fight tooth and nail. You just, just shine, Jesus. Now listen, take a stand for what's right. Can I get an amen? I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm not telling you to compromise. How many of you know right still right and wrong still wrong? Can I get an amen? We're called to take a stand. But take a stand with peace. Don't take a stand without peace. Y'all tracking me here? Amen. Peace. That resident peace. Now, one of the ways this peace comes, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So Jesus has given you His peace. It's on the inside of you. But there's a multiplication of this peace as you start to learn and know who God is. Y'all tracking me here? How many of y'all have spent a portion of your life thinking God was mad at you? I did. I've had times when I... I, was, I remember one time I received a prophetic word from some, somebody prophesying. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You might have been prophesied over before. Prophelion happens when you got one foot, <clears throat> when a New Testament person is trying to be an Old Testament prophet. Oh, there ain't no Old Testament prophets anymore. That's over. You have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. If someone re releases a prophetic word, it should bear witness on what's on the inside of you. And if it makes you afraid or makes you think God's mad at you or going to you know, condemn you or attack you, that person is trying to prophesy without the cross being present. Anyway. I could teach all day on that, but I can, I'm not going to. But that, I can remember I received a prayer word. Well, it dejected me, man. Like, it was awful. It made me think that I wasn't good enough and that God was against me and God was mad at me. I went into a depression as a Christian because I believed there was, I believed the voice that wasn't the voice of my father. It was the voice of somebody else. They were telling me who God was. It's not who He really was. And then when I started to get my eyes open to the gospel and that veil started to be torn, I started realizing that God loves me. Like He likes me and He loves me. And then 
and, and I'm forgiven and I'm his kid and he's going to stick with me through thick and thin, through good and bad, through ups and downs. He's on my team. He's on my side. He's on your team. He's on your side. Can I get an amen? It puts a joy in your heart and a peace because as a believer, <clears throat> how many know you walk and you stumble? You make mistakes, but you're not going to be cast out of the family because you made a mistake. You know, my, my daughter... Um, is you know just starting to roll over and stuff like that. And how many know in you know, probably four or five months she's gonna be trying to walk? Well, what if she's trying to walk and she falls over and I'm just like toss her outside? She's not my kid, man. How many of y'all would think that would be horrible as a father? But yet we attribute God with that all the time. Oh, you fail? Oh, you made a mistake. Oh, well, you're not worthy to be in the family. I think the blood of Jesus is greater than our ability to fail and to fall. Can I get an amen? amen. When that starts to get real to you and, and, and drops in the backdrop of your mind and you start knowing that God loves you through the good and the bad, it changes everything about you. And you know what it does? It starts to multiply peace. You know, I don't wake up now worried that God's disappointed in me. I don't wake up now worried that I'm going to be cursed. I don't wake up checking my, my boxes off anymore. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And it's taken time for this to happen to me because I've been filled with so much garbage. I've been washing my mind for probably 10 years now, 12 years, with the gospel. And I'm still kicking religious stuff out of me. Praise the Lord. I got set free from drug addiction and alcoholism a whole lot easier than I got set free from religion. I'm just going to be honest with you. Religion takes longer to get set free from. It does, man. And so, But now, like, I, there's a peace about me. I just know God's for me. Amen? And, and it's a result of multiplying the knowledge of grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus. How I many you know if you just look at the Old Testament only, you're not going to know who God is? How do you know, Jeremiah? Because, because God honored His Son and said, the law and the prophets aren't going to reveal who I am, my Son is. And that's why when Jesus came on the scene, He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How I many you know He was hidden in the Old Testament? How I many you know the Jews couldn't even say His name? I mean, you don't know much about somebody if you can't say their name out loud. They had a distance. They were supposed to. They did their job. They did their work. But Jesus came and He tore the veil. He said, the distance is gone. You're not trying to approach and reach God. God said, I'm moving inside of you. I'm going to live in you. That's always been His heart. He didn't care about the buildings or the temples. He said, I want you. I want to live inside. I mean, you can't get any closer to God than that. How I many of God just put His Holy Spirit inside of you? How did He put His Holy Spirit in you? He cleaned you. That's how clean you are. You are so clean that the Holy Spirit can live in you. Now, can your hands still get dirty? Yes. Can, can you still get dirty right here? Yes. But your spirit can't be touched by the enemy. Why? It's sealed by the Spirit of God. Sealed. It can't be touched. If we could mess this thing up, we would. Right? So God made it where we can't mess it up. Amen. So you can make mistakes out here. You can make mistakes in here. But your spirit's sealed. You are seated, past tense, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so, as you understand that, that brings a peace into your life. And you know, I was, I, I, Ethan and I were having a conversation the other day, once again, about what this youth minister administered, and the guy was talking about the you know, body language and stuff like that, and how when you're confident, you're going to carry yourself differently. And I was just talking about how that happens when you start to really kind of know God, out of a place of relationship, like really know him in spirit and truth. And the thing that I brought over to him, I was like, you know me, and you know you can trust me. And you know if I tell you that I'm going to do something, that I'm going to do it. And so our relationship brings peace into your heart. But I said, just like you can know me, you can also know Father God. And as you know Father God, it's going to multiply peace in your heart. So that when you're in a challenging situation or circumstance where people are trying to push you down or make you feel low, you don't have to give in to that. And you can put your shoulders back because you have peace that comes from God. Can I get an amen? No one should be able to intimidate you. That's one of the things I hate probably just about. I hate when one person thinks they're not as good as somebody else. I hate that with every ounce of my being. How I many of you know there's not anybody in this room that's any better than anybody else? And you're, and you're never going to meet somebody who's better than you. And one of the things that we do a lot of times in this world is people get intimidated by money or wealth or fame or fortune or position. Listen, you are a child of God. 
Like you, you are the offspring of God. No person should be able to make you feel less than. Can I get an amen? amen. How many of God wants that for you? Yes. What are you talking about, Jerome? I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about peace right here, all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <clears throat> when I'm living my life, I, I, I just try to make sure that if that peace is off, I pull it back. I let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. Because when my peace is gone, my body language is going to be messed up. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be not walking according to who I am. I might, I might slip up and have a chihuahua moment where I'm trying to prove something. You follow me? I mean, Christians do it all the time. Try to, try to prove that there's something or whatever. How I many you don't got to prove anything to anybody. Can't get an amen. amen. Don't get wrapped up. Legalism always tries to suck you into that. Come on, what are you doing for God? You know, what are you doing? Tell me about you. Tell me about you, 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 you. No, no, no. We talk about the Lord. Amen. Now, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, please. And I want to share something with you, a battle that I just went through. And it is a major battle, and nobody knows about it. Not even my wife. But I, um, I told her about it here recently. Because I, I didn't want her to worry. So, in... Check this out. The, this peace comes from the fact that you're right with God. Okay, that's where it comes from. Okay? You already got it. Jesus gave it to you. You're not trying to make it happen. It's there. But how many know that as you hear the gospel, that peace can be centered and revealed and brought to the forefront? How many of y'all have more peace now than when you first walked in? Yeah, I know you do. Why? Because the gospel is preached. Because we revealed Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how it works. It's supernatural. It's the most powerful thing in the world. It's just the simple gospel. Let's point to Jesus. Amen. But I didn't deposit peace in you. I just aligned your thoughts with what was already on the inside of you by the Word of God. How many of the Word of God will wash your mind? Can you get an amen? Just, just aligning things. I'm not creating anything. Now, if somebody wasn't saved and they, they don't have peace, how many of they're about to receive something? They're about to get born again. But to believers, we're just we're making an alignment. How many, know, how many know this can get off of where your heart's at and your spirit's at? And that's why we come to church. We service our minds. We come in and let the Word wash us to remind us who we are and who our God is. And that's going to happen as long as we're on earth. You're never going to get to the place where you become autonomous away from the body of Christ. You're always going to need to hear the preached Word. You're always going to need to read your Bible. You're always going to need to pray. You're always going to need time with God. Amen? And you're not doing it to prove something to Him or prove your value. You're doing it because you need Him. You need Him. I have times in my life where I'm just like, I need to pray. Like my son knows. Like I'm like, I need to, I need to pray. Like I need, I need, I need to pray. <laughs> I need God to fill me with strength because my strength is not enough right now. My peace is not enough. My joy is not enough. I'm aggravated. I need some time with Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and what it happens is we're just, we're just being, the Bible says that we, we're actually commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled is in the present perfect tense. It's a continual filling. I mean, you know, during worship, you received a fresh dose of the Spirit of God. Oh, I love it. Same thing's happening while you're being preached. Why? Because we're in a world, uh, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This world's contrary to our nature right now. And so when we're out, it vexes us to see all of the evil and all of the things that are happening. Why? Because this isn't what heaven is like, Right? And so we're going to need our battery regularly recharged. Amen? So now, the peace you have, you're not trying to drum it up. You already have it. It's, the, it's because of the fact that you're the righteousness of God. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? So you have that, but how many know that your mind can rob you of peace? And this is where the ball gets put in your court. Jesus is the one who made you right with God. He took care of your sin. You're one with Christ. He did that part. Now, you received it, but He did all that. <clears throat> but your head, this, this, this is where the ball gets back in your court a little bit because the one thing you do have control over is what you focus on. And if you focus on the wrong things, you're not going to have peace. I don't care how right with God you are. And, that, and that's where we, we, we have to be careful what goes in our eyes and in our ears and all of these types of things, right? Let's look at it. Philippians chapter 4, and verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. 
Now that is a commandment. That's an imperative. God, 365 times in Scripture, says, fear not. So he says, be anxious for nothing. Now what that says to me, a couple things. Nothing is worthy to make you anxious. Nothing is worthy to make you anxious. Why? Because there's nothing that you're going to face that's bigger than your God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is bigger than your God. So it says, be anxious for nothing. So what does that mean? That means this, don't worry. Don't worry. Worry is meditation on the wrong things. You're going to be thinking about something, but don't sit and meditate and visualize your demise. I mean, the enemy in a moment of time can flood you with images. Oh, you're going to die of this. Oh, you're going to be in financial ruin. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, that's going to happen. What's he trying to do? He's trying to shut you down, get you quiet, get you alone, and flood you with worry. Make you anxious and anxious and anxious and anxious and anxious and anxious. And listen, what you worry over, you're giving power to. Because you're believing that something bad is going to happen. So I'm going to tell you by the Spirit of God right now, stop doing that. It's not healthy. Don't do it. Now, but Jeremiah, no, listen, you have a choice on what you focus on. Right. You might not have control of the situation. Because what I'm about to share with you, my testimony, <clears throat> I didn't have control of this. But I did have control on what I focused on. Amen. How I many you know when David looked at Goliath, he wasn't looking at his size, he wasn't looking at his spear, he wasn't looking at his shield, he wasn't looking at his track record. He looked at him and said, that dude's uncircumcised. <laughs> he don't got a covenant. I do. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, that's what that was his thought. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What is he saying? This guy don't have my God. I have my God, and that's all I need. So while everybody else is worried and afraid, David knew that God was with him. Are you tracking me? How many know God is with you? Amen. He's with you. God is even, God's more, and I, I mean, God's more with you than he was with David. David was under a different covenant. It was tempered with the sure mercies of David, but David wasn't born again. David wasn't the righteousness of God. It was credited to him, but he didn't have what you have. How many of David had to go to the temple to worship? How many of when David messed up, there, there was repercussion? Yeah, David messed up and there was and there and there was there was there was there was hell that had to be paid. But David prophesied about you. He looked down prophetically down through the years and he saw a people to whom the Lord would not impute sin. He saw a people whom the Lord would who would impute right. Read Romans chapter 4. Abraham did the same thing, and David did too. There was a people that was coming that were different than the people that were. These people are literally the temple of the living God. They are carrying the Lord with them. I mean, you know, God is with you, and God is for you, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So whatever Goliath you're staring at, don't look at how big Goliath is. Look at the fact that God is with you. Can I get an amen? David said, I don't need Saul's armor. I don't need, all I need is God all you need. Amen? Now, the victory is probably going to come in a way that you didn't think it was going to happen. And it might not happen on your timetable. You ever notice that? You ever notice that God does not work on any person's timetable? That's a great thing to learn. Don't let anybody stand up. Well, if you give in the next 15 minutes, then this miracle is going to happen. I'll see that in the book. Trust God. Don't trust man. There, there ain't no, there ain't no fifteen-minute miracle if you give right now in this moment, and then you're gonna get. I mean, it's not in the book. <clears throat> I'm not trying to be disrespectful toward any human being, but I'm just saying, like, this is a relationship. Like, you trust God, and God's gonna work things out. But it may not happen in the timetable that you thought it was gonna happen. How many of you know David didn't become king in the time that he thought it was gonna happen? How many of you know it took longer for him to become king than what he thought? 
You know what happens while you wait? The most beautiful and powerful thing. Your character is developed. You learn how to trust God. Give up on your own ability. And when the promise finally comes, you know that it was God. And it's so much sweeter because it came from God to you because of how much He loves you. You all tracking me here? Those of you that are waiting. I mean, we're all waiting for something. Everybody here. There's things that God's brought to pass in your life. There are things you're still waiting on. Amen. How many know if you got everything that you wanted from God the moment that you prayed? Let me ask you this. What happens to a child that gets everything they want just as soon as they ask for it? It ruins them. It ruins them. How many know it sets them up for failure in life? Because how many know life don't work like that? If you get everything you want the moment you ask for it, you are setting yourself up to live a very unhappy life. You're setting that child up to. Like, I love my daughter. She's the youngest. I'm telling my wife the other day, she's the youngest in the family. But I'm not going to spoil her for my own benefit. Because I, I, I love her enough that I'm concerned about her future and the trajectory of her life. Are you all tracking me here? So how many know God doesn't do that for you? How many know there are some things you get and there are some things you're still waiting on? You know what's developed in you while you wait? Trust. <clears throat> the trial of your faith, more precious than gold. None of us enjoy it, but it is what you're taking to heaven with you. Is that pure spun gold of, your, of the trial of your faith. Are y'all tracking me here? Amen. Don't lose hope as you wait. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. everything. So, every, so in everything, this is what we need. We don't need to be anxious, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, will garrison your heart, will protect your heart and your mind through the all-powerful Christ Jesus. What, what is he saying here? He's saying, don't be anxious for anything, but listen, get God involved in whatever you're facing. Invite him to be involved. If you're dealing with addiction, don't think, well, you know, God can't be involved in this addiction. You know, this is my, this is my battle. <clears throat> no, invite him into that place of your addiction. Invite him into that place of your failure. Because if you don't invite him into it, you're going to have to fight it alone. And if you fight it alone, you're going to lose. And if you win, you're just going to take credit for it, which will make you lose in the future. So whatever you're dealing with, acknowledge by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. What does that mean? That means I'm talking to God about it, I'm laying it before the Lord, and I'm doing it with thanksgiving. Key point there. Gratitude. <clears throat> Lord, I don't know what to do with this, but this, this isn't my battle, it's your battle. I need your help with this. This is how you stay anxious for nothing. We get anxious when we try to do it in our own strength. We get anxious when we take the pressure on ourselves. I gotta make my business work. I gotta make my family work. I gotta make my marriage work. I gotta make my kids work. I gotta make this job work. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. The more you I gotta, the more the pressure comes. You gotta give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Don't be anxious. Give it to the Lord. I'm not alone in this. I'm the righteousness of God. I give it to the Lord. I get my mind off of me. I get my mind off of Goliath. I put my eyes on Jesus. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> this is a process. This is, this is an attitude. This is a way of life. Because you have moments where you're doing this and you have moments where you take it back and you get anxious. What do you got to do? You got to think, my peace is gone. There's a problem. I need, to, I need to look where I'm putting my trust at. Listen, if you put your trust in another human being to be your deliverance, then you will not have peace. This is one of the areas I think people are robbed of peace more than any, any other, not, not more than any other area, but quite often, is like they're trying to make somebody have an encounter with God, or they're trying to make somebody receive deliverance, or they're trying to make somebody receive healing, or they're trying to, they're trying to make, listen, listen, <laughs> work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How I many know when you get caught up trying to facilitate somebody else's relationship with God, you're bringing misery on yourself? You're not called to do that. Even when, when, when uh, John and, and Peter, 
Peter, Peter looked over at John and was like, what about him? And Jesus was like, mind your own business. I mean, that's what he said. He's like, what I called him to do is really none of your business. And I think a lot of us would have more peace if we just mind our own business. Can I get an amen? Because you're either going to try to make it happen or you're going to trust that individual with God. If you trust God, how many know God can handle that person without your help? I'm going to say it 20 more times. God can handle that person without your help. He can handle them without your help. <clears throat> a lot of times when you try to get up in there and doing stuff, you get in God's way. Y'all tracking me here? Trust the Lord with the individual. Trust the Lord with the situation. Don't be anxious over that person. Don't be anxious over that person. Relax. Relax. Relax, man. Just relax. Relax. Calm down. Be at peace. Trust the Lord. When, when, faith, when you have faith, you're at rest. The evidence of faith is rest. Amen. When you, when you know, when you believe, you're at rest. When you don't believe, you're not. You labor to enter into that rest. What's the labor? Hearing the Word, reading the Word, viewing Jesus, beholding His glory. The things that you've done today to, to, to hear... But, or whatever, whatever, however you get to spend time and encounter with God, but God's always going to bring you into a place of rest. How I many know oh, God is never frantic? He's never anxious. He's like, I got this. I know it looks bad. <laughs> Look, think about down through history. It always looks bad right before God moves. In an in, on an individual basis and in a corporate basis. It looks like, how's he going to do it? And how many know he always comes through and he does it? And he's always like, I told you I was going to do it. This is what he does. Amen? So don't, don't worry. Does worry add one cubit to your stature? <laughs> Can, you know, does, does, has worry ever done anything positive for anybody ever? No, it's dangerous. You need to treat it the way you'd treat immorality. You need to treat it the way you'd treat sin. Because at the end of the day, it is sin. It's fear. It's doubt. Kick it out of your head. How do you do it, Jeremiah? Change what you're looking at. Don't look at you. Don't look at your problem. Look at Jesus. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present it to the Lord. And the peace of God, the peace of this powerful, aggressive peace that I'm going to talk to you about, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Y'all tracking me here? Amen. Now, let me tell you my circumstance that I was dealing with that nobody knew about. When I first started my uh, itinerant ministry, Jeremiah Johnson Ministries, I um, got my, all my stuff and got all this stuff done. But the people that I put over like my taxes and all that type of stuff, they didn't know how to do ministry taxes. Okay. Ministry, not very many people know how to do ministry taxes. There are lots of people who think they know how to do ministry taxes. A lot of people don't know how to do ministry taxes. And the first people that I put over that, like the accountant that I went to, they tried to run my ministry like a business. And so what that did was, is it messed everything up. And so my first, my fir not, not as the church, the church doesn't operate like that, but Jeremiah Johnson Ministries. So my first foot forward in my traveling ministry was, was off and was wrong, Right? And so it set a standard with the IRS that shouldn't have been a standard that was set because I did it wrong. And then so finally I was like, I need help with this stuff because I don't know what I'm doing and nobody else knows what they're doing. So finally through a series of, I mean, oh God will lead you to the right person in the right place. So now the people that handle all my ministry taxes is a group out in Colorado Springs, Colorado that's all they do is ministry taxes. They don't do anything else. So they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to do it. And so, but my first foot forward was off. And so from here on out, the IRS has been like eyeing me, you know, trying to make sure I'm doing everything right, right? Well, man, this year, they, they, were, they were coming after me. They were sending me letters. They were withholding my uh, tax return. They were, uh, you know, we're, we're looking into this, we're looking into that, we're looking into this. Now, how many know that that battle is too big for Jeremiah Johnson to fight? Like, I don't want to fight the government. I don't want to fight the IRS. 
You know, I mean, all that strikes fear into the hearts of people, right? And so they were, they were sending me letters, man. And so like, so here I am. How I many you know there's opportunity for me to be anxious? There's opportunity for me to be afraid, right? But I recognize, and I didn't tell my wife about it because I didn't want her to worry. I didn't want her to, I mean, I, I just didn't want her to worry about it, right? And so, but it, would, it was come, it, it was trying to hit me in the back of my mind. I get a letter in the mail, you know, we're looking at this, and 60 days till this, and then I get another letter in the mail, another letter in the mail. Now, and so I got a couple options here. Now, I can worry and let this consume my thoughts and be anxious. You know what that's going to do? It's, it's going to make me a worse husband. It's going to make me a worse father. It's going to make me a worse minister. There's nothing worse than a minister who all they think about is money. Because if, if, if someone gets up behind, this, behind a pulpit or behind some form of ministry and all they think about is money, how many you know everything they say is going to center around money? How I many you know that's not good for them and that's not good for the people of God? Can I get an amen? So, so I can't allow this anxiousness to dominate my life. Now, I also don't have the ability to fix anything. All I can do is wait. <laughs> That's all I can do. So I've got a choice to make. Am I going to stare at the problem, be anxious about the problem, and let it worry me and poison my heart? Or am I going to say, God, this is your problem? Every time that thing would come to me, nope, that's yours. How I many know oh, God wants it in His hands? <clears throat> How do I place it in His hands? I stop worrying and I trust Him. How do I place it in His hands? I stop worrying and I trust Him. How I many know oh, when I'm worrying, whose hands is it, is it in? Mine. Now, if there was something that I, I'm supposed to do or something that I'm supposed to change, then, that's, then I do my part. But at this point, I had, no, I had nothing to do. The only thing I had to do, which is the most important thing, which is the thing that we all have to do, you got to guard your heart. Keep worry out and keep fear out. You're tracking me. And so every time that thing would come, man, I just, nope, I can't worry about that. God, that's on you. Lord, that's on you. And how many know it may, it may, it may happen a couple times a day? It may happen a couple times a night. But I'm here to tell you, don't let worry occupy space in your mind about anything. What does it say? It says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I just say, Lord, I, I thank you. You're going to work this out. You're going to work this out. Can I get an amen? I got a word from the Lord for you. He's going to work it out. <laughs> He's going to work it out. But don't you try to work it out and him work it out. You let him work it out. Now, if he tells you to do something, then do it. How many know being spirit-led is a part of being in relationship with the Lord? God will tell you to do certain things, but you don't want anxiousness driving your behavior. You want peace. Can I get an amen? How many know, guys, if we're not, if we, if we're not operating in peace, we, it's difficult for us to be spirit-led. Are you tracking me here? Because how many know, and we're not going to get to this scripture for sake of time, but it says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God umpire. How, how do you get, how are you primarily led? Well, the presence or absence of peace. Peace is your default setting, right? And all of a sudden, we're in peace, and all of a sudden, you don't have peace about doing something? What do you do? You don't do it. That's God saying, don't do it. But if I'm not on the wavelength of peace, it's going to be difficult for me to see when there's an absence of peace. Are y'all tracking me here? How I many of we live in a day and age when being spirit-led is so important? We need to be spirit-led about where we go, about who we hang with. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need God involved in everything. It's a dangerous world right now. You know, so we, I, we got, and we're protected and we're safe, but we got to be led. We got to be led. And I can't, I can't take my navigation system and just throw it to the wayside in offense and anger. You can't be spirit-led and angry. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that 
I mean, you know, there are times when Jesus was mad and there is righteous indignation. I'm not saying that there isn't a place for righteous indignation because there definitely is. I've been there a few times this morning as I'm sharing with you. But anger is not your default setting. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You're not called to live in anger. You're called to live in peace. And if I take my navigation system and I throw it out and forsake it as a result of offense or hurt or pain, how many you know I'm doing myself an injustice? You know, I got my, my parents a, a GPS to put in their car because they never know where they are. God love them. And, they st- and, and so I'm always like, and so I gave them a two, I gave them, a, I sat down with them again. I tried to teach them how to do it. I was like, okay, come on, let's, here we go. We're going to do this thing, you know. And my parents act like they're ex-Amish people. I mean, they act like they, 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 we're in the 21st century. We're from the 1500s, you know, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't give them a hard time, but I do. But the bottom line is, how many know that GPS system will help them in their life, Right? Don't throw it out the window. Don't use it as a, you know, as a coaster for your drink. You know, use this GPS. It's going to help you. If you don't have this, it's, going to, it's, it's not going to make your life as easy. And how many know there are people that have thrown out their peace and lost the ability to be spirit-led? To me, that's scary. Amen? So we come back. How do you get the peace? Hear the gospel. Let it be realigned. Very simple. But the next thing, what do you put your mind on? What do you focus on? Amen? Well, while I was out of town and I was doing that uh, ministry trip for the, um, for the conference, everything was resolved with the IRS. They deposited money in my account. Uh, everything is good. Everything's clean. All is well. Now, I mean, and here's the thing. I didn't spend my days worried about it. Thank God. Amen. I, I, I didn't spend my days worried about it because it, it was too big a problem for me to handle. Amen. So that whole situation has been resolved. Now, here's the thing. It was going to be resolved whether I worried or didn't worry. But how many know I was a better husband as a result of not living in anxiousness and worry? I was a better father as a result of not living in anxiousness and worry. I was a better minister as not being involved in anxiousness and worry. Can I get an amen? Cast the worry out and let God handle what God handles. Can I get an amen? You are called to live in peace. Right? Live in peace, guys. And if your peace is off, bring it back. And, and we're closing right here. A couple things. How do you bring it back? You hear the gospel. Number two, out of your mouth. How many others power in your words? Let not my heart be troubled, neither do I let it be afraid. Bring your peace back. Hear the gospel. And then guard your heart. Be conscious of what you're focused on. If you live all your days watching scary things and listening to the scary things, you're going to live in fear. Amen? How many know you, we can't set our tent towards Sodom? We get. We got to be careful what goes in our eyes and goes into our ears. I'm not saying never watch the news or anything like that, but I'm saying be careful that it doesn't dominate your life and you live in fear. Amen. All right. Praise God. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Live in peace. Enjoy peace. Amen. Yeah. Go ahead. Let me throw you a mic so people can hear you. So people hear you online. Something. Um, just as Jeremiah was speaking. There's a lie that's been propagated that you cannot control what you think about, that you cannot help but worry. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. The world identifies with fear. I have, you'll hear people say, I have this disorder, anxiety thing. They, they, They claim it. They speak it over themselves. They identify with it. Now, a person who doesn't know Jesus, they are, they are susceptible to all kinds of things. But the believer, that is not who we are. As a person thinketh in their heart, so are they. If you align yourself with that type of thinking, that's the type of fruit you'll manifest in your life. We've been given the mind of Christ. Time and time again, the word talks about trust, not, trust, not, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your path. And it, we have to understand what the world accepts as right and normal doesn't mean it's right and normal. And the world identifies with certain things because they are coming at it from a humanistic approach rather than coming at it from a revelation of what Jesus has accomplished and done for us. And I just want to encourage everyone that's online and everyone in here that's listening right now, we identify by what Jesus says about us, 
not what the world says. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Sound mind. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. That's good. That's the truth. The world does not believe that. The world believes you have to do all these exterior things in order to deal with the interior. It never works. All you're doing is band-aiding something and trying to control something that cannot be controlled. It's good. It's a good word, man. And, and, and the spirit of the Lord is with every single believer. And the spirit of the Lord does things within us to push the things out of us that are not of God. So I just I felt strongly as you were ministering that sure. to encourage you, don't listen to what the world says about anxiety and about fear and about worry and about all that stuff because it's lies. Yeah, it's it's not the truth. Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. And, you know, we're called to live in peace, right? I mean, when an airplane is taken off, there's turbulence. But how I many know you reach a point where there's just peace? That's where you're called to live. You're called to live in that place of peace. Amen. Amen. And God will help you do it. God will help you do it. Amen. Praise God. It's good. All right. Let's continue worshiping the Lord in our giving. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Um, it says, From the whole body join and knit together by which every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And, uh, you know, freely we receive, freely we give. And uh, we just want to say thank you to everybody that supports us in-house and online. Uh, if you guys want to give into our ministry, it's at gracepointgeorgetown.com. We're grateful and thankful for the support. Anybody here needs to give an envelope, and Dan will get one to you. Pretty pleased, Dan. Amen. Dan's like, amen. Praise God. <clears throat> yes.